So, hello. It's Lisa and hello. Andre. It's weird, isn't it? It's why is it weird today? Should we talk about Because Ian's it? in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the witness protection uh, program, and um, no, Ian is not with us. <laughs> Should we go into like kind of a little bit of background of what's going on? Of why we're doing this? Yeah. At all. Yeah, well, why well, are we I here? Texted you, I texted you at the beginning of this week, and I was like, can I be real with y'all? And you were like, yeah. And I was like, I really miss doing the podcast weekly. Because we had, we had, like, changed over to, like, doing it bi-weekly just to try it out. And I think it was cool, but, like, it was, like, Monday, and I was just like, already there had been, like, a bunch of things happening. I'm like, I'm going to have to wait two weeks. And by the time we get to it, we're just going to forget it. And I also just miss talking to you guys, too. I know. It's um, kind of like, well, we were doing bi-monthly, right? So we, I decided it was me. It was yeah. me. Because I drunkenly texted you one night and said, we should make the podcast weekly. And you were all like, okay. And Ian was going to be like, every week, what will we talk about? And then turns out <laughs> we talked about all the things. and we, But we yeah. also had Game of Thrones and we had... Mr. Robot that we wanted to get through and do episode by episode. And then when it was over, uh, Mr. Robot was over. I don't know. I felt like, okay, was there anything to talk about? I think I was just going through my own little thing. And I felt kind of dumb kind of investing in that show that much. And then I was just like, meh. And then I was like, well, I'll take it down. In 2020, we'll go by monthly. And everybody's like, okay. And then, yeah, you said that to me. And I was like, I miss it too. I miss being in the spot every week and like talking to you mm-hmm. which is crazy because we have technology and phones and shit and we could just be like <laughs> sup <laughs> we'd say we we're in our text thread all the time yeah. but this is like when we have dedicated time to just like get on skype and talk about shit whether we recorded and we need an audience we're just in presentational whores <laughs> <laughs> i'm just having the audience <laughs> i have an audience yeah. no it's, no it's not it's not fetishy. that but it, it it really was just like uh, and then we got we got to talking about like well do we just like what do we talk about and then we were just like let's just go in and just see what happens because I think not, that's when we're at our yeah, best. We do not ever honestly. really need because here's the thing. I mean, I was I've always trying to figure out what the show is supposed to be, and it's the third iteration of a podcast we've done. Normally, because I'll be watching you know some shits and I'll be like oh, I want to talk about this or whatever. Then I just realized very quickly that nobody really needs my hot take on anything you know but i still want to share it and then you came on board and then it became like a gab fest and then ian he he does enjoy it he really does enjoy it but a lot of times he's just like okay i'm exhausted (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he he will pop in and out with us he hasn't gone away we haven't like removed him he was just like he hasn't been fired (laughs) he hasn't been fired he is one of the producers and creators of the show that would be so awkward and we live together and we are kind of married. So I, for him, it was just like, he does, he's like, I'm, I love you guys. I'm in the text thread. You guys are hilarious. I enjoy this friendship. I don't need to be doing this every week, you know, right. because he's super busy right now. And I think that's where he's focused. He's just trying to do a bunch of stuff. We're all trying to do stuff in 2020, but I think he's in a place where he's like, this is not his main focus. And we're like, well, we're going to be over here doing this. <laughs> <laughs> that the great. Well, that's, I mean, like, get your coin, continue. girl. Yeah, he's not he's <laughs> exactly. not fired, and he'll be back. He'll be back next week. Um, yes, probably with his hot takes. Um, on stuff. No, it's it's and so here we are. <laughs> yes. 
So how are you, Lisa? Well, you know what I heard? Okay, so I heard you cheated on us with another podcast, and I'm trying not to be, like, upset about it. No, I'm just kidding. I heard um, you on the podcast, and I loved it. They kissed me, and I had to just, like, go with it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do understand. I am that kind of, you know, partner. I'm like, okay, no, they're cute. I mean, I get it. You know, you're only human, so. No, I had known about the 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 Queer Mountaineers podcast, and there was one point where they they tweeted out like, if you want to be a guest on the show, like just fill out this this Google Doc thing. And I'm just like, I felt really we- even though this is exactly what I did with you guys, right? I for some reason felt weird about filling out a Google form as to why I should be on the podcast, right? <laughs> Something about that was just weird. Even though do I, I want to join this contest? <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all did the same thing. I was just like. Hi. Uh, that's exactly what happened. But it wasn't until they were like, do you want to be in the show? Then I felt fine with it. Because I don't know. It was just it's just weird to think about that. But yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. It's one thing to be a guest. And now like you're a co-creator. You're one of the producers. You're like one of us. You're not just a guest anymore. For the longest time you were guesting. But there yeah. was no official like, oh, Andre has to pass the six months and then he has to drink <laughs> from the cauldron of, you know. Like it was just sort of like one of those natural progressions. I think you stayed around, mm-hmm. and we all like you, you. We didn't scare you away. Well, I didn't scare you away. Ian's awesome. No, you- <laughs> <laughs> so. no. I mean, it was it was really relatively easy. I mean, especially since you guys were were very open to what we did episodes on, and we've got we've. You're right. We've literally done so many different versions of what we want the podcast to be. I remember like when I first came on, it was we started with talking about shows and movies and then we tried out doing topics and then that was cool for a while. And then we were just like, well, now we need something else. And so that's when the weekly came in and we we started doing that like November, December of 18. Yeah. And we just it just kind of went from there and we just hopped on every week. I kind of yeah. like this format because this is kind of like the the after show podcast <laughs> where we just talk about like the the behind quote quote behind the scenes of the after all. show of our lives for the week because we're not on here necess- i mean like we are probably going to talk about stuff and shit that happened but we're primarily on here just because we want to talk <laughs> i think so too and you know what i've like looked at all of the i've had all these conversations with my friends who and uh, who were like these marketing people and you know angie who's on the podcast too she's that's her jam and her uh, realm. And I had a lot of conversations with various people over time. And, you know, what is your goal and what is your blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all of that still felt like like a straight job. And I don't have straight jobs anymore. Um, they know this straight about me. But it's more like I don't really want to sit here and, like, focus group this thing. Like, the, the people who listen to it listen to it. And they come here for whatever reasons. And they keep coming back around. And we love y'all. And I don't know. Sometimes we'll talk about, hey, we watched Knives Out last night together, and that was cool. Or we'll talk about a show, but I think, it, yeah, it's just coming down to that. I don't really want to think about it anymore. I don't want to, like, even try to focus group it anymore. I just want to do it, right? And I think was, there's a novelty of, like, if you ask somebody what this podcast is about, everyone's going to have a different answer. Sure. And I kind of love that about us. Garbage fire. Trash fire. <laughs> it's like being in the trailer park at midnight when all the myth hits come out. So... I listened to Queer Mountaineers, and I was very stunned by the fact that that's what happens when someone lets you have uh, finished sentences. I was like, oh, she lets Andrea actually have complete thoughts. Hmm. 
I have no idea what you're talking about. Because <laughs> <laughs> we show don't do that on this this shit. So we don't do that at all. I was <laughs> just like, does he? I hate don't it? notice it until you bring it up, and and even then, I'm just like, I mean, I guess I can't even like. I mean, like, I really can't off the top of my head think of one time where I just like y'all completely cut me off on something. It's just not how we have conversations. Yeah, but. When you first texted me that, I was like, wait, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the host's name, by the way, on Queer Mountaineers? Uh, Kayla. Kayla. Kayla's awesome. I thought she was lovely. She asked you some really good questions. Um, mm. And I felt like you guys were like really meshing and, and talking. And I got a little bit of jealousy, you know, kind of going on. But then I was also like, oh, good for them. But it's a great show. <laughs> I've listened to other podcasts. I subscribe to Queer Mountaineers and I listen to it. And I think she does a hell of a job. So oh, if I could snap my fingers anymore, I broke my finger. A couple years ago, I can't snap my finger anymore. God, I have to learn how to snap with my lift. Um, yeah, these are snaps for Kayla and the Queer Mountaineers. You can hear I'm, it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, yeah. wherever you get your podcast. But yeah, you were good on that too. And you Thanks. sounded like I always forget like how hoity-toity you are, like how like you're a what real ass. Like you know, you did Dorian, and I'm like, that's cool, and you know, and because you are exceptional. But like, just to me, you're just like you're Andre. You know, you're my girl. So. And it's like when you see your friend like being like really awesome at what they do, then you kind of have that moment like, oh, shit. Oh, wow. My God. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Like you get a little intimidated for a minute and then you're like, oh, damn. (laughs) Uh, I'm doing this podcast right now. Pajamas. I'm sure Kayla actually wore like clothes and an outfit and had tea for you or something. (laughs) You know, laying around in our caftans. (laughs) Propped up on an elbow going, sup? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it was uh, it was a little like a little nerve wracking because when I I listened to her podcast, obviously, but I didn't know the nature of our what our podcast or discussion was going to be because it wasn't solely. I mean, we did talk about like queer is- issues and representation, but she also wanted to talk about the show. And I was like, oh, you know, like I'm just a guest. But then I was as I was kept talking and she a- answering me questions. I'm just like, oh, this is more like a interview situation i don't know how to handle it so i just like i was like okay just pretend you're on ashland and you don't have to worry about like sounding like articulate but you did though i was like you i mean you always do i'm not saying like you come in here and you're all like you know but you were i was sometimes i'm a stuttering mess and i just roll my eyes in the car i'm just like get your shit together why can you not how long have you been doing this? Look, I came. I was a. I was in radio professionally for like fifteen years, and in TV for twelve. And I still come on here, and people are like, "Who is this bitch? Who is this boob <laughs> and her neighbor?" And I'm like, "Yeah, no, I feel you. I mean, you know, granted, but like you were great. You were you were very uh, articulate, and I like how you talked about Dorian and queer issues and your inspiration. And the only thing I'm going to take a little exception with is when you mm-hmm. said, cause you were talking about writing a musical and you said, you know, you just start with songs. Like you just want to write songs. And mm-hmm. for me, that is like amazing. That's like creating fire. I don't even know how that works, how a song comes to be. Like I've been writing since I was like 13 and writing for money since I was 15, but I don't understand writing a song or where music comes from. I just think fairies, right? Or dragons. <laughs> But like when Mm -hmm. you were saying like you were writing a musical and you said you like to just you're just going to sit and write songs and not really figure out how they're going to be kind of hinged together in story. And then you went over and you got in my lane and you were like, and that's how it works with a book, too. And I'm like, it does not. Okay, wait. No, that's not what I said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, I said (laughs) that when I when I was writing, I knew that trying to write chronologically was not going to work because that is always a recipe for disaster with me. And 
So I said, I just went to what I wanted to write. And then I said, I believe that you can apply that to writing a book or writing a screenplay that you just go to scenes that you want and start coloring out of the lines from there. Obviously, some people don't do that. It's all very subjective. <laughs> but I was just sitting here going, yes. And I was talking back to you because I was listening to this in the tub. <laughs> it's not yeah. a weird thing. I just listen to podcasts when I'm taking baths. But I was just like, but Andre, some of us did that in, back in the day and ended up with four feet of a book in the closet yeah. because I used to do that. I had someone <laughs> to give me that advice of like, hey, you know, go write a bunch of scenes for a screenplay. And I did some really great scenes that I could give to actors to act out. I used to write scenes for that very purpose for mm -hmm. my actor friends and then just also just to have the muscle of writing. But then I was just like, let me just tell you how that word ever made that. <laughs> just saying. Now there are, there are no hard and fast rules for writing a musical or writing no, a there book. Isn't. There isn't. You can write it however you want to, but that's exactly how I started writing the book is I wrote all of these scenes that I wanted to see in the book. And then when I tried to scratch them and mash them together, I had a nervous breakdown and I was in the street, you know, in my bathrobe screaming at the cops. <laughs> no, but I just was like, I just got to bring this up to him because I was like, yeah, I think, it, it probably works for a musical. I think for me, though, I, that's one of the things I was doing in the first part of this book is I had this really beautiful scene that I loved. Mm -hmm. And again, I had to do that whole thing from screenwriter to novel. You know, there I didn't realize right. there's such different animals. And I was like, oh, and I'd written this wonderful scene and I was trying to hammer the book around it, you know, make the scene fit. Because yeah. it was the scene. And then I found out it doesn't work. It'll have to live somewhere else or it'll have to just live in my box of drugs. That's what I call my <laughs> box of um, story cards. It's just called drugs. Your box of drugs, yeah. yeah. No, you're, so. you're totally right. It's, it's totally subjective. And you're right, too. And it is. It's <laughs> well, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, it, is, it is sort of different, I guess, when you, when you are writing songs. But even then, like when I write songs, I start with the lyrics. I tried... Logically, when I started, I was like, well, I should do the music first yeah. and then just paste the lyrics on. And that didn't work because I didn't know what the song was about. So I went down and wrote the lyrics and it didn't I wasn't writing in like a, a prose form. Like I just kind of like wrote what I wanted the song to be about in like pseudo stanzas. And then I would figure out ways to like make it rhyme or like make it like metric metrically like it would fit the meter of the song or whatnot. That's cool. Um and then I, that's how that's how I did the songs. But I think when I was writing the dialogue scenes, I did go top to top bottom. I think I did start at the beginning, and just work my way through the end. But at that point I already had an outline for the show, so it wasn't very difficult just getting through those scenes in that way. But the yeah. songs were just like I need I need to write whatever I feel like writing. Because if I'm just like making myself sit at my desk and work on a song that I don't want to, I, I'm going to want to work on it another day, just probably not today. Yeah. So listening to, you know, in my, there's an old tape of fra phrases I keep in my head in these situations where like I was writing yesterday and it's like kind of meandering and did a little butthole uh, pondering for about two hours and then looked up and I was like, okay, don't need this. And I just remember my old uh, writer friend and I going, he would look up to me and go, you know, eventually someone's going to have to read this shit. <laughs> and I was like, okay, going in in a race of those three and a half fucking pages of just boo shit. So, yeah, it's mm -hmm. everybody's got a process, though. I think there's people who can sit down and oh, write yeah. chronologically. Some people write scenes and piece them together like you're talking about with your musical and with songs. My brain just doesn't do that. I mean, I do get a lot of stuff out, but then it looks mm -hmm. like just mad journaling. And then I have to go, all right, I've got to entertain my audience. They don't really want to go on this journey with me. You know, maybe. Does I can't I can't remember if I asked, but like, does an outline exist for your book or do you just not believe in the outline? It did. 
Uh, and that's <laughs> turned out to be an existential question. <laughs> um, and, you know, and the, the, I think for me the outline has helped, but um, the outline itself is flawed. And mm-hmm. as I'm sitting here and these characters are, are coming to life and jumping off the page and having their own life, then they don't want to do stuff that you want them to do. I know that sounds really airy-fairy and bullshit, but I've got a main character who's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. I know you wanted me to go over here and do this thing. I'm not doing that. I don't feel no. like I want to do that. So when you have this sort of revolt in your head, yeah, I was riding the horse, in the, and it's taken me to some great places. But I still appreciate the idea of the outline. Yeah. I think I'm going to go back to Neil Gaiman's advice of you learn how to write the book that you're writing. So I think next time I'll think I've got this all dialed in, and I'll go to write the next book, and it'll go, nuh uh mm-hmm. <laughs> And then I'll still be on the roof, you know, smearing chocolate on my face. And, you know, <laughs> cops will, the cops will come again and go, Lisa, what chapter are you on? Um, <laughs> they check on you every week. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They're so. like, still on chapter four? Okay. Yeah, all exactly. Right. We'll come back next week. <laughs> I live in a world where the cops don't shoot people, so it's good. Yeah, great. <laughs> That's the next series. You and I will just write that whole thing. Do you so have we, like a do you have like a book bible? I do. Like do you do you have like just like a notebook of just like yes. things about your characters and yes. like yeah, I do too. I have note cards, I have books, then I have a crazy paper trail and notes under little G. They're they're all the categories are kind of stuffed around and here's the thing that and then yesterday I put up a corkboard across, across from me in my office to look mm-hmm. at stuff to remember and here's what I just realized about all of this stuff. I don't go back and read it. I think if the book were to blow up and become, if I get like J.K. Rowling's Sky Mansion famous, it's the stuff I'll drag out to a stage somewhere while I'm <laughs> sniffing my own farts of success and go, look at what I wrote in the spring of 2020. No, I won't do that. Yeah, I, won't. I probably won't be that asshole. Um, just wrapped in I love. Scarves. I love when authors do that, when they actually have like things to show, not when they just kind of like George R. R. Martin will be like, yeah. well, I, I can go in my attic and I can pull out this piece of paper from the 90s. <laughs> there was a funny thing that. that happened with that, too. Like when he was doing the manuscript where Cold Hands was introduced um, and then the, the author, his editor made a note, you know, is this um, the Stark brother, the long lost Uncle Benjamin? Mm-hmm. And he emphatically writes under it, no. And then the show comes along and goes, it's Uncle Benjamin. And then that's when you're like, do what now? So there's <laughs> that would be kind of some funny fuckery. Like people will be like making all of these theories up about my main character. And then, you know, mm-hmm. I'll whip it out and go, fuck, they were right all along. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still struggling with you're an abject failure. And then I got to get this done. And then for the week I spent editing um, a website about concrete so I had to literally stop down to earn my coin and edit 54 articles about ultralight shale. Oof. That'll make you appreciate your what you're writing very mm-hmm. quickly when you go out to earn your living and then you come back and you're like, oh, thank God I'm back in this struggle. That's I would love to be where this is the only thing that I get to do. This is the only kind of writing that I do is novel writing. That would be a good goal. That's an immediate goal. And then paying yeah. a couple of light bills. I think that would be for me a goal. What are your goals? Like, do you want to, are you still in goal setting land? Do you not know? Because you're so young and beautiful and creative and the world's your oyster. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I mean, we, we may not even be here 10 years from now, but. Um, That's true. <laughs> if no, we're not I'm, on fire in, or underwater, what will you be doing? In terms of goals, <laughs> yeah. right now is is just finding a job that I can pay my student loans off with. <laughs> Good luck. And I really, what I know what I don't want to happen. I don't want to, because I am taking, I can't remember if I've said this on the podcast. I probably have. But I am taking time off after I graduate um, and not going straight to grad school because I, I don't. I haven't convinced myself that that's the best option. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to do is to do that, to go home and then be stuck at like a miserable nine to five that is like nothing to do with what I want to do. Sure. And then just like getting stuck in that. Because I've met so many people that are just like, like someone who like works at Kroger that was just like, well, I wanted to be this. And then 20 years later, I'm still working at Kroger and I'm not, I'm not denigrating them in any way. Cause sometimes that's just how life under capitalism is. Um, but there is like a, I have a certain anxiety about that. I really don't. Cause I think I've, I've been going along for a long time and just doing things because I have to do them to get where I want to be. And mainly just like, like when I have to like play the viola, I play the viola because my degree requires it. If I had the option, I would probably be playing it a lot less. I don't hate playing it, but there are some times where I'm just like, okay, why am I practicing two hours every day? Especially when I'm not, you know, trying to play in an orchestra for the rest of my life. Like there's just some things like... It also comes with the senioritis, but that's how I've been feeling for just the last couple of years. I'm just like, okay, I'm in this 16th century counterpoint learning about Gregorian chants and not to be a bitch, but I, I really don't think I'm ever going to use this, but I have to do it to get my degree. That'll get me the job that I want. And that's literally just college in a nutshell. Like, why am I taking math and statistics and quantitative skills? Because I have to get the degree to get the thing that I want, to get the job that I want, to get the money that I want. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, it's been a long line of that. And I'm ready to just like stop and focus more on me and what I want and maybe get my sleep schedule back on track. Yeah. I oh, would love to do that. Good luck with that, right? <laughs> I know what happened with me is that I had to make, I had a straight job for so long. Well, straightest job. I started in radio when I was 14, 15. I had just turned 15 a lot about my age. I got a job in radio in my little town. It was not, you know, you worked at the tire plant, one of the mm -hmm. textile mills, or, you know, you got knocked up or, you know, we weren't making meth then. This is pre-meth days. Mm, um, moonshine. My, my grandfather already had the, that handle. But it was like one of those things where you're like, I had a straight job for the longest time. It was ingrained in me to have a job, be secure, mm. you know, have mm. the picket fence and the whole nine, you know, the American dream. And then, you know, I sensed it even then. A lot of us Gen Xers did that it was all bullshit and that I was going to go away anyway. So I never, I really, at one point I had to make, about 15 years ago, I made the decision just to fling myself out into the void and become um, a creative for a living. And I had the one thing I had to give up was the sense of security and oddly enough, I now have a sense of security within my world of being creative. I think about having a straight job and it gives me cold sweats. Not because that's beneath Same. me. Yeah. I just don't know how to, I'm highly unemployable. 
I probably would say inappropriate shit. I would probably tell you to fuck off if you said something racist. I don't, the last corporate job I had was in, you know, 1999, 2000. I don't know how it works anymore. And then when I've gone to freelance and ad agencies and stuff, I had to like go outside and take air breaks because I was like fixing to tell a bitch, you know, hi, Mm -hmm. Heffa, um, (laughs) would be on the set of movies and going, oh shit, if I weren't the boss right now, I'd probably be fired. So, yeah, that was for me. It's like you're you're like health healthcare becomes kind of like a dicey thing. You're like, oh, maybe I will drink turmeric over seeing a doctor. <laughs> like, there's just things that you just do. Uh, but you know, for me, that was kind of like I don't like now. It, it really calmed me down when I made that decision because I don't have like these moments where you meet like your friend from college or whatever and they're like doing they're the CEO of something and you feel weird at dinner because you're not a CEO of something I'm like oh good for you right and then you you know and they're either really happy in that job or they're dying from stress or they're you know and you're just uh, for me I don't have any of that kind of envy because for me the goals the goals are very simple pay the bills doing this creative thing pay the bills writing period i set that goal Mm -hmm. it sucks i don't go on vacations i don't have the latest bullshit but i don't want those things so i don't know it's interesting i don't know how yeah i I mean i've i've been also ingrained with like the the job thing but also i think my parents were very adamant about how whatever you want to do as like a career be prepared to do things that you don't want to do which I think was it's a great message because I feel like, um, not knowing that would would have just set me back even more, right? And just made me more just morose and and just like, I don't know, more what's the term I'm looking for, like just scolding life, like just because I'm not spending every minute of every day doing. 100% what I want. Hopefully we can get to that at some point. But I know I'm at the point in my life where the hustle is real. Yeah. And it's not going to stop anytime soon. But also like my parents, you know, emigrated or immigrated here for a reason, you know, and it's not for me to bitch about the the swim lessons I have to teach or the the Grubhub deliveries that I have to do. I mean, it's just it's just what I have to do. And like, hopefully once I do finally get to that place, I can be thankful that all those years have, have been leading up to that. But yeah, sometimes, you, sometimes you're just like, man, I'm just like, I'm just really done with everything. Yeah. You get so burnt out when you have like multiple jobs and stuff too. That was me. Like I, I was a voiceover artist for many years and then I would work in radio and people like, how glamorous. It's like, yeah. And I was hustling within the context of my bigger hustle, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was great. But man, and you don't want to be that dick, but you're like, if I do one more fucking voiceover. No, I'm not I'm not doing anything hard. I'm not breaking my back. I'm not having yeah. to like suffer like through what a lot of people do when they have to deal with the public or whatever or a shitty boss. But yeah, in the car, like eleven o'clock at night, <laughs> coming back from like, you know, a day of doing, you know, sixteen to sixty voiceovers all over with it in your shitty car and you're like but then you would go and hang out with your friends. You had like straight jobs. And I would be like, oh, I really do love my life. I'm cool. Yeah. So I had to like <laughs> check. So I mean, that break, I feel like the break for you might, you need that break. You need it for so many reasons just to fall mm-hmm. down in a ditch and be like done. Yeah. 
to get out of school to feel the transition even mm-hmm. like celebrate that transition a lot of times i've rushed from one thing to the other and just not appreciate it gobble the next thing down and then not have any time to reflect and then it was like years later i'm like oh shit that really was a special time you know yeah then there's those people who just set their purse down in it and then you're like okay get up get up <laughs> High school's over, or college <laughs> is over, or this job is over. Yeah. I had a friend who was on a network show for, you know, eight, nine years. That was her home. And I went into her dressing room like a week before the show wrapped. I said, bitch, you moved in. She goes, yeah. Like, we spent a lot of hours here. This is my home. I said, you ain't got no boxes up in here. You know they're about to do another show right where this is. And she mm-hmm. had, like, a breakdown over it. She was like, I can't do it. So we had to, I had to help her run a couple of friends over, but it was like moving someone's like really packed one bedroom apartment because that was her home. And, and she just wasn't ready to like move. I got that, you know, for her. Yeah. Oh, totally. Just, just like, you know, that's gotta be really hard. And then you're no longer that person anymore. You don't work with that crew anymore. You might see Mm -hmm. the same actor or camera guy or sound guy or grip or whatever, but it's that it's little, that same. little, and that's what college is, or or an opportunity, or this time and space. Sometimes you want to move on from that shit, though. I've been at jobs where I've been like, if I don't get the fuck, I ain't gonna miss all none of you motherfuckers. You crying and hugging my neck, and give me a cake, and I'm just like yeah. eyeballing like the door. How fast can I get to the parking lot when y'all through hugging me? <laughs> I've been in those situations too. <laughs> so we watched Knives Out together last night. We did. You and I want to get your immediate thoughts. Second time for you, first time for me. Yeah. I don't know what I was expecting. Everybody was like raving about it. And I try not to listen to the raves. I never listened to critics. I didn't even read any reviews. I was struck by how uh, just straight on of a mystery it was. And it was very mm-hmm. pleasantly surprising at just how it was just good on a level of just being good, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like exactly extraordinary, it but it was really just solidly good mm-hmm. like i would i would put that on in the house and play it just for a mood in the house do you know what yeah. i mean it's one of those movies totally. uh, and also chris evans in a sweater i mean i mean i'm not really into white dudes but yeah i was liking both sweaters <laughs> and his jacket Oh, love it. And um, love Ana de Armas. Is that her name, Ana de Armas? Am I saying that right? I think so, yeah. Who played Marta. Mm-hmm. I loved her and Christopher Plummer. I think that my favorite interactions of all the people in the film was the mm-hmm. very limited time that Marta spent with Harlan. That was my, that really stood out for me. And then I liked Marta and Ransom's scenes together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but I loved everybody on it. I, I I was like, I get why people just really just walked away from this, going, "This was a good movie." Because you just see all the garbage fires that are being celebrated, especially as we get into the the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh yeah, okay. But let's talk about the Joker one more time. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because that was that was my first movie going experience after seeing Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> and I came out I'm just like. 
I I couldn't handle it if I had seen if I had wasted money on a a bad movie the second time in a row. I yeah. probably would have just never. That would just been the end of my rope. I'd have been I'd just been like yelling out, running out of the theater yelling. But no, it was just you know what I love about it. It's unapologetically unapologetically. See, I can't talk. That's really hard. Um, so that's a like, hard one though. Weird. Yeah. It's like it's so quirky yes. and like if you told me if like if you told me there's a character. In the movie that when she tells a lie she throws up <laughs> i would cock my head at you and then if you told me daniel craig comes in and talks in this deeply disconcerting accent i wouldn't believe you yes <laughs> but but when it's in the movie and you're just like it just all it just all works and i just appreciated how Unapolog- unapologetically fuck i'm just gonna stop saying that word weird it is and it, it was just fun it was just a fun movie that. and i'm a, i'm agreeing with you i think it was really good i don't think it was earth shattering no most movies aren't um but it was just i i walked out i was just like that was that's my favorite star wars movie like i'm just like it was just great <laughs> right <laughs> brian johnson finally got to make the star wars movie that we all really wanted to watch no yeah. i i really you know what it was for me? I was just sitting there marveling at it. Is that it? Um, no one was chewing the scenery. No. no one was outdoing each other. Everybody was a gracious scene partner. Um, and like you, you had that a lot of times anymore. It's a disaster when you power stack a cast like this. Mm-hmm. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis and Don Johnson, and even though these people are not anybody to the youngsters, these people in their own right have like weight behind them. They have careers. They have a. L- they're dragging a lot of IMDb oh, yeah. behind them, y'all. Mm-hmm. And so then you got you know, Chris Evans who's coming off of Captain America, and then you got Daniel Craig, old Bond himself, you know, walking and speaking like Foghorn Leghorn, and you got the old crusty lady, and then you've got the I love this chick from. Um, I don't have her name in front of me. The chick who was in Mighty Gemstones, and she was also in Vice Principals, who plays uh, the housekeeper. I mean, she's, by the way, if you want to see that, what that lady can do, watch either one of those shows on HBO. Fucking rad. And then you then you have, you know, Anna who comes in, and she's playing this housekeeper. Normally, she's, she's like the smoking hot chick, so normally she's like hanging off of somebody's arm in something. Mm-hmm. And she actually gets to turn up and, like, shoot, you know, act. Um, yeah. And then plumber, you know, plumber can be overused or you forget that he was in the film. And I feel like it was written and done very evenly to where everybody's flavors mixed in perfectly. And I think that's why it's a standout, plus a stunning set, plus stunning cinematography and lighting and the shots and the angles. And I love how they go handheld as soon as she shoots out of the house after the reading of the will. Yeah. And, you know, we're handheld and it's like the explosion. And then just the the plot. It wasn't overly complicated. You know, it wasn't like mm-hmm. Mr. Robot season one or four. It was because I half expected, you know, because Sam Esmail has conditioned me to be paranoid as shit. I expected, you know, her to be like lying about the puking and lying about, you know, certain things. But no, it was just what it was. And the twist is fuck white people. And I was just like, oh, God. It, I love it. Yeah, I was just like. <laughs> Eat a dick, people who you know, like would have voted for Obama the third term but didn't mean it. You know, like it was just really awesome. I love the the twist being what it was, and I think that's why we were all like, "Oh shit, this is like I, Clue." <laughs> you know, yeah, or but Clute. it didn't ever feel gimmicky. 
No. And it didn't ever feel like it was coming up to you and, and was like, we're being really clever. Like, it was ne- you never felt that. And also the characters were just completely, like, when you're talking about, like, stacking a cast like that, I immediately think of movies like Murder on the Orient Express, and that shit was a garbage fire. Yeah. But you, but. Beautiful. Just like, Beautiful garbage. Beautiful. Did you like it? I didn't like it at all, but I thought it was okay. gorgeous. I mean, like everybody <laughs> oh, was I'm totally beautifully appointed, and you had all of these actors of capable means, and the script was just, just not. Nah, yeah, yeah, you know? no. But all, but all of these characters are just like the characters Ryan Johnson decided to portray. Like it would have just been super easy to make all these white people just like super uber conservative. And some of them are, and then some of them are like in the middle and then some of them are really on the left and you just got like, and it never felt like, Oh, it's the age of Trump. So we got to talk about the immigrant thing. I'm like, no, well our protagonist is an undocumented immigrant and she takes the house from the white people. And I'm just like, I loved it. My house, I my love this song mm-hmm. so much. <laughs> She's drinking a big and cup even of like, tears. <laughs> And even mm. yeah, <laughs> she's like, mm. yeah, <laughs> bottoms up, bitches. I like it. But even the movie was like with like Meg and like being like the the women in gender studies major and like the SJW thing. And even she is a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, see, it doesn't matter your your politics. Like, you could be a terrible person and still mm-hmm. be on mm-hmm. the left. And somebody walked in and, and snatched you just... your pink pussy hat and just threw you down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. And there were so many oh. one-liners. Like, we were just sharing one-liners. You and I were just ripping in the thread last night. I mean, and then I woke up this morning and just, I woke up cackling to the sound of Daniel Craig's voice saying, and the Nazi child was masturbating in the bathroom. I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, Ryan Johnson, like, no lie, is a really good writer. I don't know if anybody else helped him tool the script, but I was, like, very impressed yeah. But we know what happens. Like yeah. when you get when you get dipped in the Star Wars horror show, and everything is yeah. plasticized uh, with the the Lucasian you know mm-hmm. film. When you get you know what is it? You get uh, caught up in the what's the thing that uh, Han got caught into? It was like the in the thing, or they freeze them in the thing. That's what happens to you when you direct. I a, know what you're talking yeah. about. I've only seen. Like, Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Like when Han is, um, <laughs> he's stuck in the thing. That's what happens to you when yeah. you direct or you go near that franchise. It's like you have all this creativity, and then they go, and then you're like, you crap out whatever those two or three white guys wanted you to do in the first place, and then every sure. once in a while, somebody's not paying attention, and you make Rogue One. <laughs> Oops! <laughs> Damn. It got away from us. But that, I, was, that was good. I'm I'm still I still consider the last Jedi to be probably the best written Star Wars movie. Yeah. I'm just like, I, there's no way I I'm not gonna talk about it. Um, <laughs> I I cannot let myself talk about it because you'll still spiral. Not over it. I'm, yeah. I I'll, I'll spiral. Yeah. No, but I'm just you're exactly like the CSI KFC and yes. like I don't know whoever. Everybody gave looked like they were sevens. having a good time, weren't they? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I cut you off. See, you should go back to that queer mountaineer show. <laughs> I would. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say whoever gave Chris Evans those cookies to munch on during that scene. God. I just want to give you all the thanks in the world. A anyway, snack we're, we're, eating we're a saying? snack. It was just a snack eating a snack. Ooh, it's uh, hot in here. What were oh, we saying? Goodness. Woo! Now you're going through <laughs> menopause, girl. Getting a hot flash. <laughs> y'all, y'all. But I was just like, I just everybody looked like they were having a good time at work. It was just joyful. Everybody had good lines. Nobody was mad about not getting to like get a bunch of monologues. Everybody was just showing up and just ha- like 
I swear to God, Chris Evans looked gleeful. He had mm-hmm. this spark in his eyes. Daniel Craig, because I'm not a big Bond person. Those films are not made for me. I'm not shitting on Bond fans. I get it. If that's your kink, if that's your thing, you you ride that big old like Maserati into the sky, girl. But mm-hmm. it's not my thing. And I, when he plays these overly serious characters, he has those pouty lips, and he becomes yeah. the consummate British duck face. It's just right. hard for me to like take him all in. And I'd forgotten that Daniel Craig actually has amazing chops and he's hilarious and then <laughs> mr evans has been strapped into you know the spandex of captain america all these years doing a fine job he is america's ass oh, i hear you mm-hmm. but she's not just our toy she is our toy right. in a sweater too okay. <laughs> don't mean to like objectify you mr evans i'm sure you have a brain too um you can come to my house and read to me. But, like, I just, I was really <laughs> enjoying everybody turning up and having a good, good time. And yeah. it was fun to watch at home. I'm not a big theater person. We've gone into the miniest, re- the miniest reasons. You can't say no. that word, and I can't say, I'm, I'm just making shit up over here. Miniest, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> Multitude. It's okay. All, all words are made up. It's okay. <laughs> they really are. But I like miniest. Miniest reasons. <laughs> Uh, and I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed like being able to have it in my home and appreciate it in that smaller setting. Because mm-hmm. when it's on that big 80-foot screen or whatever the size of the screens are these days, things get blown out and there's all this hype and you go in and you're like, oh, crap, I could have peed halfway through that. Yeah. Last night I didn't turn this off. I, I didn't stop it down or look at my phone or anything. I didn't even really chat with you a whole lot except for to go no, sweater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Just> went, <laughs> Sweater. And then I think I posted up something real quick on our social media because it was there. Mm-hmm. But I was I was really enthralled in the best possible way, and I walked away. It had a really lovely aftertaste. Did you, like, did you figure out the ending? Because I think the, the one thing I was afraid that was going to happen, because you talk about knowing, like, how everything's going to turn out because you know all of the books and you know all the things that writers say. Like, I know did you all the things, it out, guys. Or were you just, like, actually surprised? I know miniest things, everybody. I know all <laughs> the miniest things. I sound like such an <laughs> asshole. Uh, yeah, I didn't forecast at all. And you know what? I turned my brain off. I was just, I was just, I wasn't trying to figure anything out. At one point, I was trying to do that. And I was like, no, 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 no. Mm. But everywhere my mind went, the movie didn't go. So... It wasn't predictable. I didn't think it was going to be as simple as it was. I love that it was an old-fashioned Agatha Christie secret door kind of thing, and there was no big rug pulling. But the rug pull was right there in front of your eyes the entire time because the rug pull was Marta. Mm -hmm. You know, drinking the cup. We start on the cup, we end on the cup. And I'm like, damn. Okay, that's beautiful. (laughs) It was beautiful. It was beautiful. So... It's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> it rhymes and shit, guys. I am a pentameter, motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. It was really fun, and I'm just after coming off of, I don't know, shredding something to, to pieces for four years and having it be as simple as this, what the creator needed it to be. I've now learned to just let the thing be the thing more than I ever have. Just let the mm-hmm. thing be the thing, you know. But I do have to say that if I were my, – my big thing about not going to the theater, it's really not the price. I think it's more like going there and investing the time to have something be a dog turd and know that within 10 minutes and being mm. like, oh, now I'm stuck here, yeah. you know, because I'm not just going to get up and leave. 
Well, see, I'm the exact opposite. I'm always like, it's, it really depends. Like when I saw Birds of Prey last night, the movie was was shouting at me to turn my brain off because it's you're just wasting your time. Like the shit is is bananas. Don't even try to figure it out. So I did, and I I ended up having a great time. But like when I when I was watching Star Wars, the whole time I was just like, it's okay. It's gonna get better. It's gonna get. It has to get better. And then it didn't get better. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like that all that's like in like in movies where I get a bad feeling, and I don't listen to it. I'm just like. Maybe I have. I'm so hopeful. I'm just like, well, maybe I wouldn't have spent those eleven dollars in vain. Maybe there will be something at the end that I can take away. No, this house is. And I'm really fucking glad I didn't see Joker in theaters either. God, (laughs) I knew I couldn't. I knew I actually kind of knew what it was going to be. It it literally was what I thought it was going to be. Wasn't for me. Yeah. But I was like, I can see how people would think this is amazing, especially if you haven't seen Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, work as much as I have. I've seen all of his work. And mm-hmm. like I said, I've said what I've said. And if you love it, that's great. I think that's awesome. N- not for me. This, though, was more up my alley in that, and I'm not a big murder mystery stuff. I mean, I don't even have a genre of film that I like. If it's done well, I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It doesn't really matter. If it's a good, it's a story told well, I think we'll all watch it. I don't think anybody... We always said this about relationships, too. I have a type. And I'm like, do you really honestly judge people by the movies they like or their favorite fucking color or the fact that they don't like tomatoes either? Are you fucking serious? This is the person? (laughs) No, it's like how they handle uh, situations. Um, mm. like how they talk to waiters, how clean are yep. they or not clean are they? Are they cool with you being chatty? You know, are they cool with you not wanting to be touched immediately? Like it comes down to these things that we never put on the qualifying list. And I, I think we, we are really the same way about movies. You know, I don't really watch horror films. We'll sit down and watch Cabin in the Woods. You know, mm-hmm. you'll probably enjoy it. You know, I have people who are like, I don't watch scary things. And I respect that. I do. Some people just don't want to be in that situation. Sure. And then you'll introduce them to something that, like, I'll slip up and forget. Like, I have a lot of friends. And I have a lot of acquaintances, I should say. I have two or three really, really good homie friends, you know. And then I have Mm -hmm. a bunch of acquaintances. And I can't keep, I don't know who's a vegan, who's a vegetarian. You (laughs) hate, like, I have a friend who hates ketchup. And then I have another friend who hates, like, mayo and i can't i don't keep all y'all shit up man i'm not i'm not trying to be like a concierge at your favorite fucking hotel so i don't keep up with your dookie so a lot of times i'll fuck up when somebody's like visiting and trying to be a good host i'll have like a bunch of movies stacked up that we can watch in the evenings and here's a fair of would you like to go outside and smoke weed and your cigarettes or your cigars and drink whatever would you like to be inside and watch the so i'm always trying to be a host and i slipped up and showed my friend who like doesn't like horror films you know i showed her cabin in the woods and then another thing i think it follows and mm-hmm. i didn't even it didn't even she goes oh my god i'm so glad i watched those because i don't ever watch these films you know as you know and i was like oh shit I totally <laughs> forgot. I was like, oh, you were the, the one The Kill Sirens start playing. <laughs> you were the one who wet your pants when you saw this movie one time when traumatized. And like, I'm a shitty friend because I'm not, it's not that I don't care about those things. It's just like, there's a lot going on in the world, okay? We got fascism trying to take over. I'm going through some shit myself. My body's changing. Uh, you know, I don't, 
I cannot remember all y'all's dietary and entertainment needs, y'all. So I feel like we do that. We, we make these lists of, we draw this line in the sand and we say, I'm not going to be into that. And I think I, I mm-hmm. always try to give things a chance. I really do try to give yeah. a lot of things a chance because I used to go, I'm never listening to the bluegrass. And then I had a friend play like some really awesome bluegrass for me. And I was like, okay, I'm an asshole. That's delightful. That is some delightful yeah. ass bluegrass. So, you know. I'm totally with you on like, I if I'm making a judgment on someone, I hardly ever make a judgment based on like, if like they like a movie that I thought it was terrible or they listen to music that I don't like. It's more just like how they treat other people. Yes. Like if they're telling me like a story like about an argument and you're listening to it and that person is like totally in the wrong and you don't know how to be like, you just kind of have to be like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And like you're looking at your phone, you're trying to give them all the signals that you just want out of this conversation, but they just keep going. That Then then I know that I probably don't want to be friends with that person, especially yeah. if I barely know them and they just start like one of my big pet peeves too is like people who get super comfortable with you immediately and then they start like insulting you like just like without yes. ever establishing like yes like there has to be like a foundation of respect and there needs to be some time for us to interact before we can like start making fun of each other yeah i'm, I'm cool like, with, i'm cool though i'm pretty casual person but don't be calling me bitch in like the first five minutes you don't know me you don't know me yeah don't be calling me yeah. bitch. you know i'm just like what a weird I it's just yeah. because it's so it's so opposite about how I try to make connections with people like people really really don't know me until they've known me for like quite a while I'm still getting to and, know you I still like when well, you and I had this thing we won't go into it but like where I was just like is he like holding back from me and it was all that whole thing was just about making sure you were you knew that you could be comfortable yeah saying shit right yeah Mm-hmm. So that was what that was about, but like, yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Like it it takes Ian like years. <laughs> it's like three, four. I don't want to talk about. He's not here to to defend himself, and I'm not attacking him. But like four or five years into it, he'll be like, okay, this person doesn't <laughs> suck. Yeah, I'll crack I can trust the this door. person. With me though, he has said. It was almost immediate. Like the first night we hung out, it was like we started talking on the phone and then he ended up coming over because he ran out of cigarettes and I had a carton. I had a freezer full of them because we smoked the same American spirits. And he came over and we were we stayed. We we literally ended up spending a solid 48 days seeing each other every single day. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, this, because we were becoming friends. I thought this is my homie, but I was like, he's a serial killer, or maybe I'm a serial killer. Or, <laughs> I don't know. Like, this doesn't seem, and like the shoe never dropped. And he just said, I felt immediately comfortable with you. And I don't think that you do that with every person in the world. I don't think, you know, you meet your people. And sometimes you're, And I you know, think there's, there's like a spectrum of, of comfort. Like, yeah. like, I remember when we first talked, I mean, our first conversation, we we talked for like an hour and a half on the phone, and I ne- I never felt it never really felt awkward, and like I think that helped once we like finally got on the air with each other. I never felt like awkward talking to you guys, but it's like, and I think there's a beauty to like still like learning more and more about a person as, as the longer you're friends with them. I mean, like I've known Harley and Lindsay for four years, and I'm still learning things about them, and I feel like that 
it it's quite a while before you can finally like 100% out figure like figure out a person 100%. I do this thing that's a cloaking thing. It's like I know everybody who listens to the podcast thinks they know all about my menopause and they know all about my like my medical history and I think you think you know me. <laughs> but if you really really know me, you know that all of this is just I do this thing. It's it's like my social camouflage where I throw out a bunch of stuff and you're like, "Oh my god, Lisa's oversharing." I know every single fucking thing about Lisa and that's by design. So then I'm now I've played the social game. It's a bad habit. I'm about to break this. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm in a, I'm getting in those years where like they say you get into your fifties, you don't give a fuck. Um, I think I'm there, but it's like, you know, <laughs> I, I, especially at work and, and or work situations where it's, it's all politics. It's all, mm-hmm. you got to play that fucking office politics or it can, it can get in the way of you, you and your money. Mm-hmm. You know, you and your raise, you and your bonus. Uh, you got to have those interpersonal relationships. So I learned this camouflage. That I just taught myself this thing. I don't even know. I, nobody taught me this where I was just like throw out a bunch of information. So you think you know me. You think we're friends and you think we're having this relationship. But all the stuff that I really am, you don't know fucking shit about me. And Ian picked up on that. We've been together for 10 years and I was dealing with someone where I had to tell them a hard no. And he was over there squirming because we didn't want to do this thing. We did not want to commit to this situation with his friend. And I just said, that's not going to happen. And here's how this is going to go without being rude or mean or hateful, but very firmly and said the mm-hmm. thing. And I said, just not comfortable. And I said all the words that I said. And I got off the phone and Ian goes, I almost had a heart attack, but that was like a craziest thing I've ever seen. Like you did that literally within 48 seconds and we're out of this thing now. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I'm not trying to toot my horn in saying this, who I really, really am, I don't let anybody see that until they're really super fucking tight with me. And it has to be an uber trust thing. So, yeah, everybody thinks, Lisa got hot flashes. Lisa got, you know, does this look infected to you? I think we were going to start a segment on that on medical <laughs> history. Does this look infected to you? Like, And again, like, look. medical care in this country is very expensive. So I feel like, you know, if you've got a tip, share a tip. Sometimes the sister's (laughs) just asking because she doesn't want to go back to her Medi-Cal doctor who's just, I think sometimes, just guessing at shit and Googling shit behind my back. Feels like that when somebody just goes, I'm (laughs) diagnosing you as fat. Here's some statins and take this medication. I'm like, (laughs) maybe nah. You know, so that's why I'm asking y'all sometimes. But do you really know someone? And I feel like, a lot of us do the same thing I've just described. Like we will information share and we'll think, oh, he likes Batman movies or he likes this or she likes that. And then you get in a situation where something really hardcore is going down and then you see who they really are, you know? Yeah, but that's that, true. That's who we really all are. It's like, oh, shit. Going a long road trip with somebody and then get in a stressful situation, <laughs> you will find out who the fuck somebody is. Or they get a bad diagnosis or they hit rock bottom in some situation, then we, you see who, what people are made of, you know, mm-hmm. Ian has seen uh, that when I am uh, extremely, I just really hate throwing up. I haven't thrown up in 10 years. And the other day when I was doing it, it was the night of the Mr. Robot finale. The night and the next day he was like, um, you're pretty funny. <laughs> Cause I was just, I don't know. Maybe I hallucinated him saying that, but I was just like, it's a really horrible <laughs> moment, but then I feel like the person who's there with me, I want to give him a break, so I'm thinking of jokes 
while I'm also mm-hmm. just evacuating my body. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, you know, you have to get something out of this because it's so horrible. I got I to gotta, I gotta lighten the mood. I got to entertain So while I'm laying in the floor. So. But, you know, you don't, get that un- you don't get that until you're, like, in that situation with me. It's like, I don't think anybody's lining up to watch me vomit. This is not mm-hmm. uh, like a German YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yet. Uh, anything else? That we were talking about a couple of things. Did you, did you start watching Horse Girl yet? I just started it before I came on the podcast. Watching who? Horse Girl. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> I what? wish you guys could have seen his face. Just you're like watching who? Uh, Horse Girl. It's it's the Allison Brie uh, series that just popped up on Netflix. No, I have not. Because <laughs> it falls into this theme of you think one thing is happening, then another thing is happening. It was just I'm in the pilot still <laughs> where you think it's just about this <laughs> vanilla ass bitch, and then like something otherworldly, and I'm just like okay. So I'm about to go in there, and I don't know if I'm going to recommend this or not, but I just started it. I was going to do a companion watch of Horse Girl and Shrill. So you've got Allison Breeze show on Netflix, and then you've got A.D. Bryant's show on Hulu uh, in second season. And I was like, I was going to do like a girl day and just watch these girl lady-based No, things. yeah, I just, I just wasn't prepared for the title. That's all. <laughs> like, what's happening? Horse Girl. <laughs> I thought, you know. like, is she talking about a person? Like, is she, what is she? Because <laughs> we did not pregame this podcast at all. <laughs> Obviously, we did not. I don't, it's, I think it's obvious that we pregame none of these podcasts. Well, except for the ones where we overprepare and they sound like a really shitty PowerPoint presentation. Um, and furthermore, the House Martell has been wiped from existence. And I will go through all the points of how that will affect the <laughs> land and the making of Dornish wine. <laughs> no, I think we only pregame podcasts when there's either there's a lot to talk about that we want to cover or there's something we want to talk about that we're just like, do we want to talk about this? And then we have to talk it out between ourselves and then yeah. see if, if we still feel strongly about it. Or like we did last that with week's the, podcast. The Joker podcast. Yeah, we all this true. Yeah. But last podcast we did like an hour and then I had to pee so badly that we broke and then we came back and did another 40 minutes and we decided just to lop off the whole upper part of it. <laughs> yeah. Which is cool. I mean like nobody's like there's no like agent waiting for you. There's no one like screaming at you when you're your own boss. Podcast problems. Right, exactly. Hashtag podcast problems. There you go. <laughs> Let's start that trending. Uh I bet you Kayla doesn't have this problem. Kayla's probably very very well prepared. And uh, it's probably sitting somewhere with her jacket and the patches on the sleeves and her pipe. I don't know. I'm just imagine. I'm just making up a whole persona for <laughs> Kayla. And she's just sitting here going, hmm, these people suck. <laughs> <laughs> that's the pipe uh, thing. That's not just me making right, important right, right. noises yeah. at you guys. <sighs> I don't know. Well, we did our hour. <laughs> <laughs> I, You know, I feel like this is what we'll probably do every week unless we, you know, something we watch has really blown us away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I, I'm feeling good about this. I'm feeling good about uh, the uh, whatever the fuckedness uh, of this is. Same. I love this journey for us. I love this journey for us, too. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you guys get on out of here and we will see you next week. Uh, the mystery guest of whether Ian will be here or not <laughs> will be the uh, like, how about every time Ian's on the podcast, you have to drink just half a bottle of liquor. <laughs> 
<laughs> like the Maybe. ultimate drinking game. You just sit down and go, Ian's on the podcast. I'm just down this vodka. Yeah. Someone's in that car and they're just like, oh, I got to pull over. <laughs> <laughs> Could have popped the cap off of this fucking kettle one. Woo. Just down it. Uh. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, you guys have a good week. Good geek. And uh, do minious, do minious good things and be unapologetically oh God. weird. Bye-bye. What a disaster. Bye. <laughs>